This is the Tabernacle Podcast with John Vermilia and me, Britton Bishop. What's up, John? What's up is I'm no longer in the host chair. I know. It feels good to be back. Yeah. It feels good to be back. I'm not under the microscope getting sweated or however you say that yeah. on first 48. That's how it felt for the past two episodes. So. You were under the interrogation <laughs> hot lights. You did a good job, though. Hey, I tried, man. You did. Hey, just a little shout out. Uh, my wife was folding laundry, and I'm like, I wonder what she's listening to. And I heard your silky baritone. <laughs> she was listening to the Britain Bishop Change Life Part 2. Oh, there we go. Yeah. That's, that's the one worth listening to. Listen, if Darcy Vermilia is listening to the podcast, it just went to a new level of class. It did. A new Absolutely. level. The minute Sophie Vermilia listens, we've made it. Yeah. And we might as well just retire. Oh, this is true. Yeah, because if you get that one, you know. Now, the other thing that's on my mind before we jump into this absolutely, is I will do my best to stay focused. Okay. But I am one foot is on vacation. Because I you have one flip-flop on right now? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I have two official acts before I can close it up and go on a two-week vacation. It's my first vacation in two years, like official. Congratulations. I'm fired up. And Britton, uh, I was telling you before the podcast, I used to think there were two types of people in this world. I thought there were beach people, okay. of which I am a proud, like, you know, founding member. Of beach people. But I feel like you're a specific beach person. Oh, it's got to be hot beach. Okay. Salty beach. Yep. Hot, salty beach. All the Michigan, okay, I get it. It's really pretty. I don't want hypothermia. Okay. There's beach people, and then there's mountain people. That's what I used to think. People that, oh, I need to go to the mountains, go to the Smokies, or go to the Rockies, go to the Alps, or go to the Indies, or, you know, whatever. To say the Indies, I meant the Andes. Yeah. Uh, but since moving to Michigan, and you and you may have learned this already, that, yeah, there's beach people, there's mountain people, and there are Upper Peninsula people that are like, that is their happy place. Those people just want to suffer for fun. Yeah. Mosquitoes, <laughs> deer flies, you know, hot, cold, hot, cold, what, whatever. I've, but I have been to the UP, so I understand it. Then there's staycation people. They never go anywhere. Their vacation is take time off work and just hang out around the house. I can't do that. And then there might be a fifth, and that's camping people who are insane. I agree. They're insane. And Let's I'm, go pretend we're homeless for two weeks. And you know? I'm realizing as you name all of those that I might have a problem. You're none of them? I'm none of them. So that's I, what, like, so, like none of which sound interesting to so me. So that's what I'm – what is your happy place? If I, you had a happy vacation place, which you're a young guy, maybe that's right. not part of it yet. Yeah. You know, maybe, well, I can't go to the beach without feeling like a creep. Because yeah. um, single guy sitting on the beach, 25, just is <laughs> creepy. It's creepy. I don't care what anybody says. No, I don't want to go with you and your family. It's just you creepy. You can go with that one special person. But uh, And then the mountains. Do I you get see out how he ignored that, uh, Tab yeah, fam? Yeah. He could go to the beach with that one special person. <laughs> Hope, of if which you're listening, I'm not ignoring you. I'm ignoring John. <laughs> okay, right. thank you. Uh, Where's your happy Mountains, place? I get too out of breath. You can't do anything without getting out of breath. <laughs> I get out of breath talking in the Rocky Mountains. Absolutely. Um, the other option, camping, homeless, no thank right. you. Um, there's no like sleeping pad to support my physique. For me to mm-hmm. camp, I got to do other. I don't know. I'm just out. <laughs> you got to take a water bed. Yeah. <laughs> and then. Got to uh, carry a water bed on your staycation. back. I live in a one bedroom apartment and there's nothing to do. What are the other options? I can continue shooting these down all day long. Uh, so what is your happy place? Because maybe it's a new it's, category. I, like, I, I think like I know what it is. to vacation, I need to go act better than I am. <laughs> so it's to go somewhere that I can't afford to be there, uh, eat food that I can't afford to eat, and just act like I'm better than I am. No. And no. so like a golf trip, maybe, where Ooh. you like go to a resort. 
Yeah. And you eat good food and you golf at a course you're not good enough to be golfing at. And these people are like, why is this guy here? He hasn't tucked his shirt in in four days. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, but I can afford to be here. Or at least you act like it, but you can't. Yeah. Yeah. Because then it's like, well, just go visit your family. And it's like, I love them to death, but not always vacation. Because mm. then it's like, hey, by the way, we're uh, doing this today. And it's like, well, I was going to go see this person. I can't help our cows today. So, yeah. And then you're just, just a, utter See, I was going to guess for you, given your stage of life, that vacation would be mom's house. Because mom's cooking, you could chill, you could do whatever, you could be a kid yeah. again and just it relax. Fun. It is fun going But I forgot about everybody. the cows. Yeah. You might get <laughs> yeah. roped into exactly. the cow duty, yeah. and we know Britain doesn't yep. like cows. It is fun going and seeing everybody. But I think, like, my parents are coming up and staying at the resort this week at the, Grand, what's it called, the Grand Traverse Resort or whatever. Yeah. So I get to go play, like, maybe play around a golf with a bear, like, do some stuff. Like, like that's going to feel you, more man. like vacation than anything else. So, so Tab family, I hope <laughs> this isn't making you bitter. I want to encourage you. As a pastor at this church, vacations are blessed. They're just a little taste of heaven. Absolutely. They're a taste of heaven. And, and do and, you. Yeah. Whatever you want to yeah, do. Whatever no you judgment. Do. But if you go camping for fun, you're a psychopath. Yes. <laughs> and don't hate me because I love salty ocean beach. Yep. And which is uh, when I come back, I will be a brown pastor. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, on that kind of similar realms, it's summertime in Michigan. People are going, people are staying, people are doing all kinds of stuff. But I think one thing that summertime often brings in churches and in organizations across the country and across the world is missions. Missions. Um, that felt really scripted. That wasn't scripted. That, that wasn't just scripted. came to mind. Uh, yeah. But uh, you see kids, I mean, we've got multiple foundry students in Columbia, in Denver, Colorado. We've got other people that are doing trips to hate, just all kinds of stuff. COVID is opening back up. The mission field is kind of gearing back up. We right. see people, food pan trees are filling up. It's nice outside and people want to get after it. And so that's why today I felt like, John, we could sit down and just kind of ask this question. It's kind of a two-part question. It might be a shorter episode, but that's a broad guarantee. That's a sh- not a very good guarantee with you and I here. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but it's the, the question of why missions and what are they? Why missions? What are they? Yeah, because I think often um, missions can be it, – it's a huge category that for some, for you and I, it may mean something different. For me and Martin, just this afternoon as we were upstairs, it meant something different. And so I think sorting through that, what is Jesus' design for mission? What is What does Jesus say mission is? And uh, why does Jesus say right. mission? And so that's kind of where we're going to jump. And uh, I think to start that, you just go to the Great Commission, right? Go to the Great Commission. Yeah. So those are those are two great questions. Um, and even before we go, this might be a little teaser. I've seen people, oddly enough, but you know, American Christians, we can fight about anything. Yeah. Um, fight about what the definition of missions mm-hmm. is, and that'll be the second part. Um, I think the what missions is, or the or the or the why is. Uh, um, is not something we should argue about because it's plain, and yeah. that and, and that's where you're taking us. Yep. But man, I've seen you know people debate that. Yeah, oh, that's not a mission strip. That's a that's a glorified you know ministry safari. Yeah, you just go on missions because you like to travel, you like to see the world, or you know you just want to get out of Michigan when it's cold. Yeah. And you know there's some people that say, well, it's not missions unless it's this. So yeah. we'll get to that, yep. but. I think this is a good place to start. Yeah. And if why. you're one of those people, buckle up, because we're probably going to hurt your feelings. We're going to hurt um, some feelings, yeah. And that's not the goal. That's not the desire. But sometimes humility comes in all shapes and sizes. And mm-hmm. uh, maybe today it could come to one of us. But, um, but, but it may come to you from the Tabernacle podcast. So, But deep down, it might be a little bit of a goal. Yeah. <laughs> not not to hurt you. Not to hurt you. But, but just to, step on your to toe. To grow us. Yeah, to grow right? us. Yeah. yeah. It's to the, shape uh, us. It's the... 
pastor in us. I think it's more the preacher in us. But um, so why, so why? missions? Right. Jesus is talking to the disciples, um, Matthew 28, at the end, as he's after the resurrection, he's back with the 11, not with the 12. And uh, I'm just going to read this whole little section from Matthew. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountains to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, excuse me, sorry, I'm going to restart, restart. When I'm going to edit it out, deal with it. Now when the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go. Therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And that's where it is. That is the Great Commission. It's not the Great Suggestion. Yep. Um, in fact, there's times when I wish that as Christians we didn't call it the Great Commission. Hmm. Um, just call it the because, Commission. Because it sounds like a command to me. Yeah. He says, and you emphasize it when you read it for us, he says, go therefore. Hmm. Uh, I mean, he starts by telling us that he's got all the authority on heaven and earth. So he's telling us we win. Yeah, We're the winners. We're going to win. I've already won. And the only reason you're going to win is because you're on my team, because yeah. I'm your God and you serve me. And he goes, go therefore. So yeah. the first thing is go. But the therefore is because he has all the authority. Yeah, And he says, and make disciples. And that is the mission of our church. You just did something there that's a teaching moment that I think we can use. You said the therefore is this. Yeah. Explain how you got to that. Well I hear I've heard you say this before. Well, whenever you see a therefore in scripture, yep. you all should always look what is the therefore therefore. Right. Right. So the therefore is the phrase right before that. The mm-hmm. first thing he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's cool. It's like that boom, he could have dropped the mic, but he didn't. Yep. This says, is Bible study tips with John Vermilia. Exactly. We'll just add that to the tips <laughs> uh, book. So, uh, you know, kind of the way in our language we'd say, therefore, or because of that, go, mm-hmm. do something, take action, act. Don't sit here and stare up into heaven. You know, the people that just want to have, you know, forever Bible time, forever singlings, forever just being in good fellowship, enjoying yeah. pie, yeah. praise God. All those are great <laughs> moments. But he's saying, go and do what? Make disciples. Yeah. And, and probably the two most emphatic, you know, if we really boil down everything Jesus told us to do, you know, at our church we talked about, well, you know, when Jesus was asked what is the greatest commandment, he said to love the Lord your God with heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. Right. And so that's why the first part of our mission is love God and love people. This is who I want you to be and do. Yep. I want you to love me with everything and love others just as much as you love yourself. But it doesn't end there. Here's the make disciples piece. And he says, make disciples of all nations, yep. baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I've commanded you. So just don't baptize them, teach them, train mm-hmm. them, disciple them. And then he tells us he'll be with us to the end of the age. Yeah. But one of the very first problems that we run into, see, this is the why. Yeah. This is the why of missions. Jesus commanded it, yep. so do it. Yep. Do it. But one of the first problems we run into is when it says of all nations, our imagination immediately goes Africa, yep. India, China, Indonesia, Europe, Australia, New Zealand. Oh, can we see where the hobbits were? You right. know, And that's true. It's for all nations because there's another scripture I think you're going to take us to. Yeah. 
But in going and making disciples of all nations, that doesn't say to neglect your own nation. Right. We are considered one of the all nations. We're one of the all nations. Yeah. And in 2021, look at this nation. Yeah. Is it is it all the right. way? Has everyone heard? Right. Has everyone yeah. had an opportunity? I don't think so. So yeah. what do they call it? Like completely proselytize or preach to or whatever. I don't know the Proselytize. Word. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. That's yeah. the word. Sorry. But – uh. Yeah, and I think that's so important because so often um, as young Christians, right, you go to the Passion Conference or mm-hmm. you listen or read that one book, Mud Runner by Charlie Marquis, Charlie, right? That's a great well, book. It is a yeah, good come book. On. It's an awesome book. And there's a breed of people that are called to that. But I think that the key pieces where we where the biggest mistake we can make, just like we do in the church, is sometimes we think that one part of the body is more important than the rest. That's right. That's and right. Sometimes we think one mission trip is more important than the rest. Right, you see it with Stephen. Yep, Stephen was called to lead, feeding widows and orphans. That's right. And I believe, with my heart of hearts, that he died on the mission field, glorifying God. Yeah, I mean, if you think about Steve, Stephen, essentially he was running the food pantry. Yeah, but he was a theologian. He was a disciple. Obviously, when called upon, he preached a sermon, the one and only sermon we see that he preached. He got stoned to death for it. Yeah. But I love how you said that. He saw that as his mission field. Yeah. Now. And that's where maybe I'm jumping ahead of myself. I don't want to jump too far ahead, but I do want to say, and I I think people that have heard this probably know my background. I have, you know, I grew up living on the mission field. So I know what it's about being overseas, living overseas full time. Yeah. I have, I was trying to count it the other day, about 36 stamps in my passport. Mm. If I, you know, except we keep renewing them. I have been on multiple missions trips. I have led multiple missions trips way before I came to the Tabernacle. Right. So I've been on the short-term trips. Yeah. Been but on then, the long-term. Yeah. 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 And one of my deep dreams uh, from the time I was a young man, I don't think I've shared this publicly very much. I always imagined myself living on the mission field with my family, serving the Lord overseas, because that's what I knew. Right. And I'll never forget about... 34, 35, I'd been in Buckley for a while, and I realized that God was calling me to stay. Mm. And there was a part of me that was a little bit sad. Yeah. And uh, I kind of said, well, maybe I'm just supposed to be a mobilizer. Right. But man, if you know how far a fish out of water I am living in northern Michigan, that's why I'm a salty beach guy. Yeah. And I'm going to live in the land of snow. Mm -hmm. I come from the land of ice and snow, right? (laughs) It's like... I'm not saying Buckley's my mission field because now it's my home. Right. But home is where God's called you. Right. And how many people, I mean, international missionaries that spend time, extended, extended periods of time, would claim that their home would be in another country and things of that sort. 100%. And I think that that's where people get in trouble trying to tell God what his mission field is. That's I'm going to decide what God's mission that's field good. is for my life, right? And I, one of my favorite quotes is uh, from a pastor out of Nashville, and he says, I would rather take a risk of obedience than miss a moment altogether. And I think too often we try to put God in a box that missions is airplane across the sea or it's not missions. Hmm. Missions is to an impoverished community in a community that's not like mine with people that don't look like me. Missions is this. No, missions is where God calls you to. Right. And but we're getting ahead of ourselves, like yeah, we yeah, said. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But the the why I think I think that's why we can get ahead of ourselves is the, the why essentially is because that's what Jesus said to do. Yeah, we got to get to part two of the why because yeah. um, be, before we started recording, you pointed out that verse, and I'm glad that you yeah. did. Because years ago, um, when when I was a full time sports missionary, mm-hmm. 
um, which that's what I did for my first 10 years out of college before I uh, became a pastor, is I took a class called Perspectives on Missions. And it's like the, you know, it's this, the gold standard for missions, theology, and, and anyone who's ever taken a Perspectives class or read the Perspectives books, you know what I'm talking about. You don't have to take Perspectives in order to do this, but they hammered not just on this, but on the second place yeah. you want to take us to. And this is in Matthew 24. And for all you end times people out here, here's your answer. <laughs> not to hurt your feelings, but quit looking at numbers and look at Scripture. So this is uh-huh. Jesus talking this again. This is Jesus talking, Matthew 24, verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So why missions, Britain? Because Jesus said so. <laughs> and because the thing is, our goal, right? I, my whole desire, my whole being, I want to spend eternity with Jesus. How do we get here? Seems pretty clear. We got to get this gospel. To I want to see Jesus come back. Yeah. And apparently that is not if, – if, and again, it, we sound like a broken record, but this right. is how we learn. If there's no waste of words in Scripture, especially words that Jesus said, he says this gospel of the kingdom will be preached. Yeah. Not just small grouped, yep. not just leaflets. It, it's going to be preached yeah. by men and women, mm. by students, young and old, to the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Can I ask you a question that just came to mind? Go for it. What do you think of the quote, and I don't know if it's misquoted or not, but I've heard it before, um, preach the gospel and use words if necessary. Ah, St. Francis of Assisi. Yeah. It, 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 and there's different there's different variations yeah. of it. It's preach, preach, preach the gospel in all things if necessary. Use words. Yeah. I think uh, that the intentions are great, but I see a lot of people hide behind that little phrase, yeah. which, by the way, is not scripture. Okay. It it is a very you know I mean this this is Saint Francis of Assisi. This is a guy who did a lot of work for the kingdom. Right. I get what he means. Yeah. In all things, in the way I talk, but in the way I act, in the way I serve, in the way I give, in the way I love, my reactions in traffic, mm-hmm. you know, my reactions at work or mm-hmm. on the sideline or wherever, always were being a witness. But if if uh, if our actions don't match our words, you're saying we're a hypocrite. Right. But there's a time to use words. Yeah. There's a time to use words. And, I hope so. You know, this, this Matthew uh, 24, verse 14 verse, Reminds me, when, when I lived in North Carolina, um, Wycliffe Bible Translators had a training center down there. It was called JARS, and uh, it's where a lot of their support people lived and trained, and they had a little uh, museum of Bible translation. If you know anything about Wycliffe, they're the world's preeminent Bible translators in that they're taking the Bible and translating it into as many of the known languages on earth as possible. And I remember visiting it, and they actually had a countdown of how many languages were left that still didn't have the Bible in their language. So it isn't just like English, French, and Spanish, or whatever you see in the drop-down box on right. Bible Gateway, yeah. you know, because you can choose all those languages. Right. There are languages in the innermost parts of little islands in Southeast Asia and Papua New Guinea, yeah. um, in the Amazon jungle. There's still unreached people that don't have a Bible in their language. Right. And so I'm just throwing that out as a perspective. There is a massive group of missionaries worldwide that has taken Matthew 28, take the gospel to all nations, make disciples of all nations, and they've taken this verse right here and based their entire ministry on it. And they are vital to yes, what God is doing. Absolutely. So if I live in the jungle 
And I've, I haven't even seen someone from Western civilization. I've only seen these, uh, you know, these jet stream of, of these planes in the sky going over me, but I've never read God's word or there's no one in my tribe that can read God's word or even read for that matter. Think about the work that some of these missionaries are doing. So, you, you know, you hear about these missionaries that go, they meet a tribe, they make friends, they take a decade just to learn their language just to teach them how to read and write their language while at the same time translating God's word into their language, or at the very least the New Testament, so that these people can understand. It's a massive task that Jesus gave us, which is why it's not all down to me. I'm not called to be a pastor and a short-term sports missionary and the food pantry director and a Bible translator. The point I'm driving at is this is a massive worldwide Christian effort where we're all playing a different part, and some of us are going to live and die and never even see the end of that, but you pointed out to the end, yeah. we have to have the gospel to all nations, yeah. not just preached in their language, so at least people have the opportunity. When that's done, that paves the way yep. where in the fullness of time, the King of Kings returns. Absolutely. And I think that's that, what you're hitting on there is such a key aspect of missions that I think so often it's so easy when you live in a certain bubble or you're influenced by certain spheres and you listen to certain preachers and you read certain blogs and you do different things as you begin to take your faith and allow it to become tunnel visioned, right? It's what we talked about long before. That's why we have certain denominations. That's why we have certain different things. But I think that with missions, that's very dangerous. And I think it does a disservice to God and his power is to think that this is the only way it can look. And if it doesn't look this way, then that must not be God's plan for that. Hmm. And then I think the biggest mistake you can make is then criticizing somebody else that feels like God has moved in their heart and given them a plan, a desire, and has given them a go that they've said yes to. And you would rather spend more time criticizing them than supporting something that doesn't look like you want it to. Because Mm -hmm. the thing is, at the end of the day... I know personally, and I'm not going to name their names, missionaries that go to countries that I have no desire to go to. <laughs> Some of the most dangerous places on That's the earth. Right. Places where like Osama bin Laden was killed. Right. That are have not heard the gospel, have unreached people groups in these places that they go to these places. Hmm. And they do an incredible job at doing it. Hmm. And people are reaching, being reached for the kingdom, Bibles, in the lane. I mean, incredible stuff. How stupid would it be for me to criticize that? When I don't want to do it. Right. You right. know what I mean? That's like and the quarterback telling the offensive line to block better. Exactly. You come try. You come try. You're going to get flattened like a pancake. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so I think that's a key piece. And this would be the same thing as I believe that a part of my living on mission is reaching students and raising up the next generation of laborers to then go to the mission field. But I think that, I don't know, I think Christians spend a lot of time and a lot of energy saying what's wrong with stuff instead of comparing yeah yeah Yeah. the uh comparison game so uh as an illustrative piece um darcy and i when we were first married before we had children um we felt like god was calling us into full-time missions and the missions had a lot to do with how we were wired specifically how i was wired i was big into soccer my dream was to play pro soccer i just played four years of college i was a a college soccer coach and so we joined an organization after much prayer called missionary athletes international and we moved from indiana where we just finished college from the midwest where she's close to home i'm close to my family we got a huge support network of brothers and sisters moved all the way down to north carolina charlotte north carolina 
it was a huge faith step. We had to raise our own support after going through the application process and being accepted in the training. Raising support was a whole other nightmare. We had to approach people about, listen, God's called us to take soccer or to use soccer to take the gospel to the nations on short-term trips and long-term trips, the whole ball of wax. Huge faith step, especially for my wife. She she did not envision living that far from the Midwest and fall leaves and snow and the comforts of what's normal and people down here have an accent and it's Charlotte where all the beautiful people are and, and we're trying to live there and we're using it as a base to go all over the world. So we are in Russia the very first year. Uh, we took a men's team there and this was right after the wall came down and we're working with some Americans who were sports missionaries in Russia, really cool people felt called to Russia, Eastern Europe, which is just a really dark, cold, nobody smiles kind of place, right? Mm-hmm. We're in Moscow uh, playing matches and doing street ministry, and, it, and we're just there for three weeks. And I'm a full-time staff member. I'm not just a guy on the team. So I'm on the team, but I'm, I'm one of the full-time staff. And I'll never forget our counterpart. He was this big, giant, cool guy, uh, loved Jesus. He was a wrestler. In fact, he'd he'd gone to the Olympics in wrestling, but now he was retired and he was working with Russians and getting into the Sports Institute and helping to bring the gospel to a place that had been locked down from the gospel forever. And at the end of that trip, I'll never forget a conversation that he had with my wife and I in a restaurant in Moscow. And he, he it was just a throwaway comment. And he said, um, he said, man, it's really good to see a you know, young couple like you that are giving your life to missions, particularly sports missions. And he, and then he said these words. He said, whenever you're ready to become a real missionary, mm. let me know. I'd love to have you here in Russia with us on a real mission field. You can start the soccer arm. And that was so defeating. Yeah. I mean, especially for my wife. In fact, if my wife hears this, she'll remember that moment. Yeah. It was, it, she was angry because in, in him trying to invite us he was actually saying what you're doing is missions light what i'm doing because i've moved here and i live here and i've been here for years i was here before the wall came down i'm a real missionary yeah and that is perfectly or or that's a perfect example of what you're talking about we do that all the time and it's comparison Mm -hmm. it comes out of pride it doesn't value different calls and you know different family situations and and not to mention the fact when God tells you to go somewhere, you do what God says, not what the image of what you think uh, it should look like. Yeah. You know? And I think that comes down to like when it comes to missions and supporting missions and supporting people that live on missions, it's trusting the spirit of God in somebody. I think so often we spend time criticizing the spirit in somebody rather than just trusting the fact that they are listening and obeying the spirit. And I, and I always, I often wonder where the church would be today if we spent less time criticizing each other and more time affirming. And that's not me being soft. That's not me thinking that we don't need to call out things that are wrong in theology or that we need to, that I think those are all valuable things. But I think too often we spend time calling out things that really don't matter. Right. And it boils down to pride. It boils down to their own insecurity and different things of that sort. But I don't know. When you look at missions holistically, I think this desire is to see people come to Jesus. Yep. And instead, it's became this contest of I'm more impressive or I'm doing more. And I don't think that was the no, that's never anybody's heart when they get into it. No. Right. The, when he went to, or may, I don't want to make this about him. So, but when you think about people going into the mission field, 
it's usually because they heard God's voice in a really cool way, had a specific call placed on their life, and it took a huge step of faith to get there. And so what do you think happens when, is it just so much time in and they've stopped feeding themselves? Or what, like when people get to that place of comparison, because I don't think that's ever been the heart hmm. when somebody gets into the mission field. But then you find, and I, I've met a lot of people who are like this, there's like bitterness in the mission. Like, uh, I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. I think for one reason, um, particularly for those that go overseas, is that is hard. Yeah. That is very – now – to be an intentional, like, like you know, I'm going to pull it back to this, yep. is one of the values of our church is that everyone, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, be a domino. Yep. So you could make a case that you could be a missionary on your basketball team. Mm-hmm. You could be a missionary at your school or at your job or in your neighborhood. And I wish more Christians would have that mentality. Yeah. In fact, I was telling you before uh, we started today, there's one little thing that is like so Christian ghetto. Um that that for anyone who's been around church for a while, I, you probably have seen this. And it's the one piece of the Christian ghetto that I would love to bring to the facilities at our church, both at T77, at T2 here in Buckley, and any other place that God leads us to bring a campus. Is I've been in churches before, is where as you're walking out the door, above the door, there's these, these words painted above the door. There'll be a sign above the door, and it simply says, you are now entering your mission field. I love that. We could tab it and just put above our door, stand by to get some. Stand by to get some. <laughs> or or you had an alternative. Yeah. What if every time you walked out of church, the sign said, Friends don't let their friends go to hell. Friends don't <laughs> let friends go to hell, right? So, uh, so this is all a part of all of us living as dominoes. Yeah. But to your question, I think sometimes uh, one, one is pride. I mean, it's got to be pride. Yeah. And so where does the pride come from? For sometimes people that have been living overseas for a long time, that is hard. You're yeah. away from family. It's difficult. You know, I read this thing one time that said, um, uh, and I, I don't remember the exact um, uh, study that they used to measure this, but they were talking about the stress of everyday living. Mm-hmm. And there was a scale of about one to 10. And it said, most of us, the stress of everyday living, uh, you're about a three or a four. They said first time or first year overseas missionaries um, are about a seven or an eight mm. for the first year, and it can be higher. But then when it, but then after you've lived there for a while, that stress level uh, falls down to about a six. And they say anything over three long term does damage to you. It yeah. traumatizes you. Mm. So, you know, if you're There's not relying, yeah, that's a yeah. lot, you know. And, and, and in fact, the light of this study was talking about the last year living under COVID. Yeah. It said all of America was at a seven, at the very least at a seven, except for me, I was at a two because I love quarantine. <laughs> it was so good, right? <laughs> but um, but we've just experienced a year of that kind of stress. Now imagine that kind of stress, COVID, in another country different language, different culture, far away from home. We're just getting groceries is Mm -hmm. a chore. Or I'm not going to say their names, but we have have missionaries that we are their home church. And when they come home from the country of which I can't name, he talks about having to change uh, his route to work every day Hmm. because he's on a hit list. He's on a hit list having to move his house. So I think when all that difficulty piles up, then we start, just like we covered on this podcast, we become like Peter. Yeah. In our hearts, we become like Peter in John 21. What about that? Yeah, when Jesus said, hey, you're going to die for me. And he looked at John and he goes, well, what about him? And remember Jesus' answer. Yeah. He said, what is that to you if I want him to live till I come back? 
you follow me. Hmm. And if and if more and we didn't plan that either, by no, the way. Right. <laughs> and if and if more of us would just live that way, would just live that way. Yeah. Some people's mission field is gonna be overseas, and I honor that yeah. because I know how difficult Absolutely. it is. Absolutely. But and I'm not trying to break my arm, pat my own back. But I'm gonna tell you when I realized God was gonna plant me in Northern Michigan, and this was gonna be my quote unquote mission field. I I shed tears. Yeah. I sh- and and then I got after embracing the culture, embracing this community, and just so you know, Tab Fam, I'm not I'm going on vacation, but this is my home. Mm. This is my home until God calls me home, home, yeah. or He calls me to another home. But this is my home. Yeah, you know. And I, yeah, that's good. I, and I think too of like the text in Romans, where it talks about um, how will they go. Or how will they know unless somebody preach? How will they preach unless somebody sends them? Got to have both. Yeah. And I think that there's just – it's this. It's so much bigger than what we've made it. It's so much bigger than uh, – like for us at the Tabernacle, right? We are a church that feels specifically called to Haiti. That's a community we call to pour back into, to do things in, that we've sent people to, that we've seen those mission trips create more ministry in our church. It's been incredible. And – those things like for us to think that missions only happens in that scale. Right. And to think that the only way you can grow is to go on a mission trip to Haiti with the tabernacle team. And then like my own dad has like have conversations with me about like, he's like, yeah, I feel called to be a sender. And it's like, how much of that is living missionally to support, That's good. to support people that are going to a part of being on mission is supporting the mission. And and we have an incredible prayer ministry here at the tab that um, our manistee specifically, when I feel called out to do some of the things I feel called to do and traveling and speaking or going to different places, we have an incredible ministry that lives on mission with me in the way that they pray while I'm gone. Right. Um, and shout out Vivian Kessler. I don't know if you're listening. I know you That's don't right. want the glory, yeah. but shout out. Um, but then, but like, she's a sender. You're saying, yeah. So there's it, people that there's, send. There's, there's people that go. Yeah. And all that. Yeah. So, but and, break it down. And a sender can be someone that supports missions financially. Mm-hmm. A sender can be someone that supports missions with prayer. A sender, man. I remember living on the mission field, and there were senders that we never met. But there would be these giant care packages that would come to the little poor missionaries living down there in Port-au-Prince because missionaries don't make a lot of money, you know. And these care packages would a little taste of home. It might be clothing. It might be food that we couldn't get there. And it would come once a year. I don't know who those people were, but the joy that it brought to our family, mm-hmm. I know was an encouragement to my mom and dad. Yeah. They're senders. Yeah. And every bit is significant. Um, you can send, like you said, with prayer. Yeah. Um, you know, just as a sidebar to that, you know, I've had people, well, well-meaning people come up at the tab before and say, you know, we don't do enough for missions. We, you know, we need to have a lot more, uh, you know, missions. Why don't we ever have missionaries in here? And it's like, well, I'm just going to break it down. A lot of it has to do with my own experience. Yeah. We do support missionaries. We support full-time missions that are stateside and we have full-time people that live outside the country. Um, we have people in Thailand. We just took on a brand new missionary family there. Um, we support a sports missionary, Graham, Graham and Lori West, um, and some others that I won't name. But one one of the values that that I've kind of brought, I guess, through through being a leader here, is I don't want to be a church that has a big giant map on the wall with a bunch of pins of all these countries that we are reaching. Yeah. Right? Because usually what happens is we could have a hundred pins on that map, 
and we're supporting each one, you know, maybe $200 a year. Yeah. That makes us feel good, and, but it's not that significant of a drop in that missionary's life. Right. And then you double down, and this is Tim Burgess and I have broken this down and, and made it a part of, of our DNA. Then those missionaries, when they come home for vacation, when they come home to do some more support raising, if they have to visit 100 churches that support them at $200 a month, they're wasting all their time. They're wasting their $200. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> they're yeah. wasting their time and their money trying to impress all these people so we can feel good. Yeah. So what we've kind of added as a value is we support missionaries. They let us know what we're doing. But, you know, if they're here, yeah, we'd love to introduce them to the Tab family. But we don't need them to come in out here in their jungle shirt or whatever it is right. and do some tricks for us yeah. so you can impress us. We yeah. want you focused on what God's called you to do. We're behind you heart and soul. We're going to pray for you. We're going to send our money to you. Uh, we're going to support you. We're going to be there in emergency if you need that. We yeah. want to be that kind yeah. of church. That's... So I just want to say we're about missions. We've just chosen to choose a few select ones and yeah. and, and invest in them more yeah. rather than just kind of spray it all over the place. Right. And so this brings me to the next question. This is something that I've been – I don't know if I wrestle with it. I really don't because I think I know the answer. But I just want to ask and see where this conversation goes. But there's this concept of being on the mission field, doing missions similar to what we just talked about. And then there's this aspect of living on mission. Yeah, like you talked yeah. about being a domino. What's the difference? Because I, do, I don't think that they're exactly the same. Like we talked about this earlier, like – I, and this is not meant to offend anybody at all. I believe that there's fruit in all of this, but there's a place where people choose complacency and comfort. And I'm going to serve in this specific ministry that I've chose on the days that I choose, when I choose, and how I choose. Ooh, that hurt. And then there are the people that are, um, yes, Jesus. Okay, what am I doing? And then the, what am I doing? Okay, yes, Jesus. And so, but there's a difference, I think, in right. those things. And I think as well, one of my favorite things about people that go on, uh, the reason I love students going on mission trips, the reason I'm pumped about these kids that are at Missionary Athletes International right now is because of the hope and the prayer that they come back and apply it. Yes. Right. They're doing incredible things in Columbia. They're making an impact. They're doing awesome stuff. But they're, how long are they there for? Two weeks. They're two weeks in Colombia. They will be a drop in the bucket to that country. There's a lot of other things that need to happen there. But what's incredible, you, I think you say this really well with those mission trips, is that Jesus does something in those people as yes. well. Yeah. And that's what I'm excited about when they come back from those things. But how do you take, like, how do you differentiate between those two? I don't know if I'm making any sense from I'm just talking no, around myself. No, but you've opened up a lot of different cans, Yeah. which, which are all good. Uh, I, back back to what your original question was, is you said the difference between living on the mission field and living missionally. Yep. And then where I think the answer was, was does Jesus have your yes? So to the first question, yes, I do believe some people hide in this little complacent place of, well, I'll just serve here because it looks good, but I'm really not out of my comfort zone. Right. It's on my terms, how I want with my, I'm controlling the yes, mm -hmm. but we're turning off that uh, – or we're closing our ears to what if God's calling you to something different or God is calling you to something more? You know, and I go back to my own story. When I thought about my life, it was I'm going to be in a third world country. I think I've said before, um, 
my wife and I, we were praying between Brazil or Buckley. Mm-hmm. Brazil, man, that sounds a lot more sexy. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie. A yeah. soccer ministry on the beach in Brazil, that's real missions. It, it, but I gave, or we gave God our yes, and we came to Buckley. And God spoke to us, uh, and I shared that on episode two, I think, Yeah. Um, where this is where we're supposed to go. Now, I still care about Brazil. But it's all about, are you saying yes to God? Mm -hmm. And so to the second part of it, this is the beauty of short-term trips. Because I've heard people argue about this. Short-term trips don't do anything. Mm -hmm. You know, I've heard the term short-term trips are just like little ministry safaris, right? No one knows their own heart Mm -hmm. of the why am I going, you know? Um, We know a lot of our fears. You know, the the other classic Christian ghetto thing is... Uh, you know, I'd say yes to God, but I'm afraid he's going to call me to be a doctor in the darkest parts of Africa. And I hate spiders and I hate science. And, you know, I'm a lawyer, <laughs> you know, and it's like, OK, bro or sis, um, if you hate spiders and you hate travel and you hate other culture or, or you really don't you know, have any interest in that and you're bad in science. Why would God take you and send them a second rate servant <laughs> You know, yeah. a second-rate doctor, yeah. right? Lots of times, our mission field will match our passion. Mm. But when you add what we're passionate about and what we're good at and what comes naturally or what we're, what, you know, we say from the Bible, we're, we've been gifted with, and then we give God our yes, now I don't have to compare. Yep. Maybe I'm an athlete. Maybe I'm not an athlete. Maybe I am a doctor. Maybe I'm a nurse. Maybe I'm a translator. Maybe I'm a teacher. Uh, maybe I'm a mechanic and, and then you couple it with, oh, I do like spiders. Oh, we need, uh, we need an airplane mechanic, uh, somewhere in central Africa because there's, there's preachers that have to fly to remote places. All of a sudden God and his economy is getting all the right people to say yes. And what you find is those people become a team. You know, he's got a preacher there. He's got a mechanic there. They've, you know, their wives there, there's a support network there. The gospel's going to all nations. Mm. And there's someone back here in Buckley that's sending them, yeah. some, or, or someone in Oklahoma like your dad who's a sender. Um, we've got people like Vivian who are praying. So I would say all of those people are living missionally. Good. Because they have as their focus, which is to go back to why that ghetto sign, because I've talked about this before, but I just haven't asked John Williams, our facility guru, right. to get it done. Wouldn't that be cool to say you're now entering your mission field? It's a mindset. Yeah. That's why we put it up there. It's a mindset. Yeah. Everywhere I go, that's the, in all things, be a witness. If necessary, use words. But I might have a specific thing I'm being called to, Mm -hmm. right? Where we get complacent and use it to kind of hide. Yeah, there's people that do damage. Yeah. There's there's professional short-term missions trip goers Mm -hmm. that really don't do anything. Right. But- to what you were saying, I love short-term missions trips because th- that's a huge pool of 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 people that tend to get called to become full-time overseas m- missionaries. And many, if not most, come back with a bigger picture of what God is doing worldwide. They learn that, oh, you know, this whole faith thing is not just about me and my little home bubble. I can be a missionary where I'm at. Yeah. I can serve, you know. Now, I will tell you a huge pet peeve of mine is people that go on short-term trips year after year after year, and they don't serve in their own church. Mm. 
Eh, sometimes it's or, or or they don't serve here. They wait for those two weeks out of the years to roll up their sleeves for Jesus, and then it's back to living not on mission at all. Yeah, that's a problem. Yeah, if if God's not changing you, it's not all always about the change in other people. You know, you've been on missions. You know, <laughs> at least at least for me, I can say. It seems like God does way more in me, I feel like, than I ever do on any sort of short-term trip. Yeah, and I think, too, with the short-term trips as well, like there are some moments where there's like immediate fruit, but then there are some moments where you're just being a cog in the wheel and saying yes. And it's, I think, often uh, a short-term mission trip takes, at times, um, this is not, like I said, meant to offend anybody, but it takes a lot of faith to trust that God's going to do what he needs to do with just this time. And that we're going to support where we need to support in this place. And then we're going to leave and trust the rest of God. I mean, First Corinthians tells us that neither the one who plants nor the one who waters causes the growth, but only God. And so I think that um, one piece of short-term missions is going and faithfully just planting a seed and saying, Lord, here's our yes. This is what we've got. This is what you've called us to. Here it is. Boom. But I think the key piece is the more you say yes to God— the easier it gets. Yes. And that's where you see. And I, I know my thing Britain, nowadays are we is, renaming this podcast, Give Your Yes to God? <laughs> yeah, it's come to up in be all, what the episodes. all the time. I don't know. Maybe that's just a good plan but for it's Christianity. True. It's yeah. true. It yeah. is true. And you've brought that to the DNA of our church. And we're stealing it. Because every, every staff person, every person who comes here and preaches helps further shape the DNA yeah. closer and closer and closer, I think, uh, to be the church we always wanted to go to in the church that it that brings glory to Christ. Yeah. Y- you know, you said something when you said sometimes you're going on a trip and you're just another cog in the wheel. Mm-hmm. There's there's two stories that 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 jump that jump to mind. And maybe it goes back to the, it isn't all about me. Mm-hmm. I'm a bigger cog in this machine that has gone on for the last 2,000 years, and yep. it's going to keep going after I'm dead and gone, right? Yeah. The first one has to do with short-term trips. So, we've, like you said, we've sent a ton of trips to Haiti. We have connections in Haiti. We can't do all the nations. We've chosen that one because it's close, and we have the connections, and it, it just makes sense. Um, so, typically, we'd get this question. you got 12 or 15 people that all have to raise X amount of dollars to go on a short-term, maybe 12-, 15-day trip to Haiti to do some work at a missionary compound or for a church or whatever. They'll raise $30,000, let's say, total. You know, they're sending letters. They're doing canned drives and bake sales. They got $30,000. And some of that money is their airfare. Some of that money is their room and board. Um, Some of their money, they use what we call project money. That's going to, you know, whatever repair work they're going to do. Usually there's some Einstein that comes up and says, you know what? Why don't we just send that $30,000 down there? Wouldn't that be helpful? They don't need all of us down there. They don't need us down there, you know, slinging bricks and mortar and trying to do a job that they can do better because we're going to wilt in the heat. <laughs> you know, the Haitians are hardier workers. They need the work. We could have used that $30,000 to hire people that would have helped the economy do the work themselves that's what we should do. And then I'm always popping the bubble of their little theory to remind them of this. Yeah, but we don't have $30,000 to send there until Billy Bob and Sally Mae told their friends, I'm going on a mission trip. The only reason we got that $30,000 was because you're going to carry it down there because you're a representative and there's something in us, especially Christians, that we know this is what we're supposed to do. Mm. 
Furthermore, we don't get to be eyeball to eyeball with those people and get out of our comfort zone because, as we've already said, sometimes it's not the work you're doing there. Sometimes it's the work God is doing in you. So it's a win-win-win all the way around, but we don't get to burst that little bubble and just say, uh, you know, why don't we just send that money? My go-to response now is, great, I will gladly send $30,000 down there. Do you have $30,000 you want to give me? <laughs> and that usually ends the conversation yeah. because that's my guy. Yeah, and I think, too, that— But that's a, just a cog, mm-hmm. right? That's a cog in the wheel, Yep. you know? And I think, too, that there is something to be said about the word go. Go. Um, go. And I, I love in Romans, I don't know where it is, um, how beautiful are the feet— of those who bring good news. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I love texted that. that to my Sophie right before she went to Columbia. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that there's something too that I have a friend that tells an incredible story of. Um, there was, um, they were in Papua New Guinea and uh, their translator um, didn't wear shoes. Hmm. And he said that he'd read that verse multiple times as he was preparing for the trip, right? He had some people texted to him, he had some different things. But. As they're traveling around this country doing different things, preaching, reaching this tribe and all this stuff, this guy doesn't wear shoes the whole entire time, through the jungle, all this stuff. And he said every night they'd sit down around the fire and he'd have his feet up and they were just the nastiest, (laughs) I mean, caked in mud and dried blood and he didn't have any toenails or anything like that. And he'd just worn these things down and beat them to death, like just, I mean, and he said, and that was the first moment that I knew what the feet looked like. Hmm. He's like, it wasn't glamorous. It wasn't pretty, it wasn't ideal, but those were the feet. So, so think about all the feet of all the cogs. Yeah, all the cogs in the machine. Yeah. So another example. Here was a second one I was thinking of about. We're just a cog in the machine. I heard a story from a missionary years ago, and I've long since forgotten the name of the country. I believe it was some uh, remote Indonesian island where they have some. You know, they got headhunters, they got cannibals, they got some places you can't even go. Well, there was a neighboring island where they had vibrant churches. Um, And these Indonesian people, they felt like God gave them a vision to reach an unreached tribe on one of these islands that was known for violence. And outsiders were put to death almost immediately, right? And so they prayed and prayed and prayed. They prayed and fasted. And two members of their congregation, the ones that had the vision, rose up and said, God is telling us to go, these two men. And this church was not a a wealthy Western church. Mm -hmm. These are Indonesians, but they they sacrificed, they saved, they they got all the money, they got all the materials, everything that was necessary. They, They paid for their way for these two guys to go to this island. On the very first day they were there, after years of prep and planning and prayer, both the men were put to death. Within hours of being on the island, they were killed by this violent, godless tribe. Word comes back to the church. They weep. They lament. They grieve. There's a memorial. I'm told at the memorial, 50 men stood up and said, we will take their place. Hmm. Cogs in the machine. Yeah. Now think about being the families of the first two guys. What do they say? Uh, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Yeah. God in his purpose and in his plan. I get emotional. Yeah. Because it's a true story. These two guys, I don't know their name. I don't even know the name of the country. They followed God's will for them. 
but God used it to raise up a little army of preachers that went and they took the gospel to that island. Mm. You kill two, you can't kill 50. Yeah. And these guys, and, and man, I wish I knew the rest of that story, but right. those are people living missionally, not just the martyrs, not just the 50 men who that's what, you know, that's where the emotion comes from, but the senders, the wives, the mothers, the children. I think one of the biggest detriments to people going overseas is their family. I believe God has called way more people to either go on a short-term trip or to go and live overseas with the, and and you know we could I mean that's a separate podcast right. you know I actually nerd out on stuff like this there's fewer and fewer missionaries that are going overseas but some of that is because our world is getting smaller and smaller yeah uh, because of the internet because of communication even some developments in ministries we're finding one of the better ways is to if you can bring people here for training yeah. um, uh, it's not all about us I've heard that China is now sending missionaries to the United States <laughs> to reach Chinese populations here because they're the, they're the best ones to do it, yeah. right? Um, but uh, um, I believe families are a big reason a lot of people don't go, Yeah. which reminds me, what did Jesus say? Mm-hmm. Unless you hate your mother, your father, your children, yes, even your own brother, you have no part of me. Yeah. And there's so many people that are like, uh, Lord, please don't call my kids. Or they're like, oh, I can't believe that you're going to go and do that and endanger your kids. My biggest dream was for my kids to actually grow up in a third world country. Yeah. Instead, I'm in second world Buckley. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, yeah, I think that's just – that's a key piece is the goal of all these podcasts as we set them up and as we set up the subject at the beginning is of like there's this, this side or this side or it's this or it's this or why or what. And I think what it boils down to um, – church to the tab podcast family is the simplicity that we've been called to Hmm. and it's just faithfulness it's why do we go because jesus said so right and that's not a cop-out you want to get into theology you want to dig in dig in as deep as you want and i think at the end you'll find oh jesus said so that's why we go that's why stephen died that's why peter was crucified upside down that's why peter went through what he went through that's why all these things happened because Jesus said so. And I think that the key piece to living missionally is it can't be because anybody else said so. Yeah. The, if somebody wants to live missionally, it can't be a sermon they heard at the tab that Johnny V preached the pain off the walls, and that's why they go. I, I think that Jesus will use us as as mouthpieces, but it's the Spirit of God that connects with people in those moments, and that's what sustains you in your going. Hmm. I think that's the key piece to living missionally, the why, the what, and now the how. How do I go? Say yes, but don't say yes to a program. Don't say yes to a ministry. Don't say yes to a church. Say yes to Jesus. Right. That's the key because I think that at a certain point, like even when we go back to like those people that find themselves stressed and bitter and, and struggling because they've said yes to their version. And I would hmm. question when's the last time that person really dug in and got back to their yes with Jesus, because that's what fuels you. That's what keeps you going. Yeah. And, and I think that when I think of us going missionally, when we think of our students coming back and living missionally, it's Missionary Athletes International isn't happening at Buckley High School this year. And if those kids listen to this podcast, here you go. Here's your challenge. But Jesus didn't change. 
the Jesus that you're encountering in Columbia, the Jesus that you've encountered in Haiti, the Jesus that you encountered at the tab one weekend when Victoria melted your face and you started crying. Face melting. That Jesus doesn't change. Circumstances change. Environments change. That but that Jesus doesn't change. And that's how you sustain missional living is understanding that the mission is about nothing but the glory of God. Right. And I think that's, that's a key piece too. No, it's good. That's, that's my rant for the day. No, I'm, well, there's going to be more rants because <laughs> yeah. we're down here in the dungeon. Um, in second Corinthians chapter five, um, verse, verse 20, you know, that the, the reason we chose dominoes is because dominoes are simple mm-hmm. and dominoes matter. And, Back to that cog in the machine. Dominoes are a cog in the machine. Success in ministry, success in missions is about being faithful and saying yes. And yeah, chances are if you can't open your mouth about Jesus um, on this side of the pond, you're not going to open your mouth in some faraway land. Now, the great thing about going to some faraway land is that sometimes clear out of our comfort zone, we have an eye-opening experience and we're kind of forced into it, and it makes us better back here. But Second Corinthians 5, verse 20, this kind of sums up a, a, a huge part of what it means to be a domino. He says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. And so if, if I'm not overseas and I'm a student, you can be an ambassador for God 24-7. If I'm a student and my parents aren't Christians, you can be ambassador for God in your home to your parents, to your siblings. If you are on a job site, if you are unemployed, if you are, you know, going to the cherry mom. festival. Yeah, if you're a stay-at-home mom in your neighborhood as if a parent. going to the cherry festival, you're a psycho. Yes. That's be <laughs> <insane>. <laughs> oh, Highway 37, get done. But everywhere we go, we're Christ's ambassadors, right. you know. Um, in fact, this is so cheese. But you know, I remember there was on one of these soccer missions trips, we were taking sixty-four teenagers um, to Western Europe, to Gothenburg, Sweden, right? And some people would say, "Why are you going to Sweden? It must be nice." Sweden's one of the most godless nations in Western Europe, and we took sixty-four students: one girls' soccer team and two boys' soccer team, and one of my co-leaders was a guy named Jack. And Jack is now a missionary in West Africa, in another country I won't name, right? Um, but at the time, he was one of our co-leaders, right? And he taught our students to sing a little chant. And you're always bringing me, or, you know, you're always telling me about these awesome football chants you learn in the <laughs> locker room, right? We just I'd been away from the group hand, handling some administrative task, and I come back and I hear chanting in the streets because they're going to this huge youth event where there's going to be 20,000 other, you know, teenage soccer players in a stadium for the opening of the games, right? And as our tribe is walking down the field, I hear his voice, you know, going, everywhere we go, and everyone would go, everywhere, people always ask us, and then uh, and then it went, who we are, and, uh, you know, 60 kids are, you know, chanting yeah. back at him, who, and, and, and he goes, and where do we come from, and, and so, so we tell them, 
Come on, Britain, you're supposed to respond. So we, we, yeah, yeah, he goes, <laughs> we're coming with the gospel. I mean, and I'm like, it sounded so cheese. But I've never seen teenage kids get so, I mean, they were like slam dancing. Like Christian Frosted Flakes commercial. I mean, it was, yeah, it was that's so. That's awesome. But he, he did it in his little African accent. Yeah. And it, it, was, it was awesome. But what he was trying to communicate really to our, our guys, th- that's what we bring with these feet. Some have nice toenails. Yeah. Some don't have nice to, or toenails at all. <laughs> right. But those feet that are bringing the good news, wherever you are, we're coming with the gospel. Yep. We're going to live it. We're going to mess up. We're going to screw up. You know, back to John 21, I'm so glad that Peter was the one we hear so much about. Because Peter, even after that moment, kept screwing up. Yep. Because that's another thing that holds people back from living missionally is, and we've talked about this before, I'm just so imperfect. Shame. I'm a sinner. I'm, yeah, God is not that's a God a of shame. from the pit of hell. Yeah, what can you do? <laughs> yeah. What can you do? And as soon as you get over yourself, stop trying to be perfect. Jesus yep. was perfect enough. Yeah. Right? You you give him your yes wherever you are. If you got to use words like you and I do, yeah. <laughs> or, or if you can do it some other place, you yeah. know, or some other method. I love one of my favorite quotes um, is... I think this applies directly to missions. This is one that has been used in many avenues of my life. But I think when thinking missionally, this is something that um, before I went on my first mission trip, because whenever we talk about like, I'm not cut out for missions. I stick out in any country I'm in, including America. Um, so the unreached, dangerous, despised places like, oh, hey, I wonder what that big white dude's doing here. <laughs> right. But so that's. I, I've just never had this just burning urge to like, and I've forced myself to go experience these things because, and Jesus has revealed to me since then, this heart that I have for the nations, that's a little bit different than what it looks like, but it's just, it's my own thing. But I love this quote. I read it before I went on my first trip. It says, do not let the fact that conditions are not as they should be stop you. Go on anyway. Success is reserved for those who go anyway. Go anyways, which is also the definition or one of the best definitions of courage. Yeah. Courage is not the absence of fear. Yeah. Courage is when you're scared to death, but you go anyway. Yeah. And I think that that when we talk about what and why for missions, the word go has to be on the forefront of your mind. It's not a go someday. Mm -hmm. Jesus commanded go. Um, we were in Sri Lanka, um, one of my favorite moments from there. We were There's these multiple groups of unreached people groups, and we have uh, translators that come and meet with us um, that are traveling with us and doing all this stuff. And one of the guys, um, I won't say his name, but he's incredible. He's hilarious in any language. And uh, I'll never forget, you say, hey, how you doing today? And he goes, oh, Brother Britton, by the grace of God, pressing on towards perfection. <laughs> and uh, but I'll never forget the night before we left, we had some time in prayer, um, drinking some of the best tea ever because Sri Lanka was mm-hmm. colonized by the British, so they got good tea. Yep. Um, shout out, Victoria. Um, but we're drinking <laughs> this tea and having a prayer time every night together. And um, at the conclusion of his prayer, he said, Jesus, let your last command be of our first concern. And Slayed. Say and that it, again. Come on. Just say it again with all the drama. Jesus, Maybe let your last command be of our first concern. And I think that if you proclaim discipleship in the kingdom of God, that has to be the posture of your heart. Hmm. Otherwise, I would question where your discipleship and loyalty actually lies. Yeah. Is all this just about me? Yeah. Or is it about 
what he said to do. Yeah. You know, and you said something where, where you forced yourself to go. Mm. And I'm going to say that makes you a better leader, a better Christian, a better pastor, because I can't see the future, but I got a pretty good idea out of the students that you have been tasked with being their primary uh, disciple leader. Like you're raising up other leaders. There's, it isn't just the brain I'm show. building a juggernaut in Manistee, by We're the building way. building a juggernaut. I got yeah. some text messages over the past week that is like, man, this team is unreal. But gotcha, that means, gotcha. hey, so, Buckley people, volunteer. Yeah, so, yeah Buckley people <laughs> got to step up. But my point is, as, as a student ministries pastor, you are raising up men and women some of them will go and having a youth pastor, a student ministries pastor, whose heart is for the nations, even though he knows that that's not where God called him, that that's going to produce something in them because it's a culture that they're going to get. And I think for all of us as Christians, living on mission, if if you can't get the vision, do something in order to get the vision hmm. on our website. And I didn't plan on saying this, but we have a page about outreach where you can read about the outreaches that the tabernacle is behind financially and in prayer. We encourage you to go to the website, read up on those people, learn about it, maybe become a prayer warrior for them, maybe contact them, maybe ask them, how can I help you? Yeah. How can I serve you? How can I pray for you? Hmm. Maybe give over and above your tithe to a missionary. Yeah. Yeah, you can, you know, we want you to give to your church because the Bible commands it. But we're called to be generous. Yeah. And people like your father, who I know gives to his church, but he gives to so much more than that. We need more Christians that do that, that say, I'm going to support this missionary family. I'm going to support a compassion child. I'm going to get behind a, a ministry here. I'm going to, you know, give my time and money to the food pantry or to yeah. Freedom Builders or whoever. All of tiny developers, all of that is living missionally. Just at our annual meeting just a couple weeks ago, um, Pastor Ben Brown, our executive pastor of ministry, pointed out how tiny developers in Manistee was birthed out of a couple of guys who had a mission mind. And the mission was, we've got all these homeless people in Manistee, we need to do something. And initially they came to the church. And then they were like, wait a second, the the DNA around here says you see a need, fill it. Mm -hmm. So they started their own non-for-profit 501c3 mm -hmm. so they could start a ministry to the mission field of the homeless in Manistee. That was birthed out of the church. That's how it's supposed to happen. Yeah. We need more and more people who are a part of the tabernacle that see ministries like that. And it's not either or. It's both and. Serve here and serve with them. Give here and give with them. Yeah. And to others as God leads you. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's huge. Is it's not a pick and choose, pick where you're most comfortable, pick where it's most glorious, pick where it's whatever. No, it's serve where you're called to serve and do so faithfully. And when you think you've done enough, look for something else. You know, the the the, the great philosophers um, who made up this little philosophical brain trust known as Pink Floyd. <laughs> you didn't see that one coming, did you? So the lyrics of that song, it is so true. All in all, we're just another brick in the wall. Mm. And when Christians, that isn't a fatalistic, I, I know in that song, somebody's going to say, oh, yeah. you know what that song's about. Don't don't waste my time. Yeah. Whenever I hear hear that, I've always applied that to, to my role in this church. Better men and women built this church, kept the lights on for generations before I ever showed up. And God willing, there'll be better ones after me. Mm. 
all in all, I'm just another brick in the wall. Yeah. And so that mentality is it's not about me. It's not about my legacy. It's not about my work or my ministry. It's all about his glory. Yeah. And so every single one of us living missionally as dominoes, as ambassadors, overseas, short term, senders, goers, preachers, all the part of the support cog. Uh, the guy that's helping people get across the street from the parking lot to T2 so his life can be changed, who's going to be a future missionary, the crossing guard, mm. every single one of us, yep. just another brick in the wall yeah, I of this that. kingdom that God's building. Yeah. One of my favorite, um, I have a picture of it on my phone. I'll probably cry in the next few moments thinking about it. This is going to be awkward. Yeah, it will be. But in eighth grade, we just got done with my changed life story. Um, Jesus showed up in my life. and uh, But I was messaging who was the youth pastor at Harbor Church at that time. And I said, hey, sorry I couldn't make it to the meeting. Not sure if my family can afford it this year. What do I need to go to camp? He sent back, just bring me your paperwork and we'll take care of it. Do you think you'll have money for the way down to eat McDonald's or something like that? And then I made this picture out of it. And for those of you that can't see it, it's a, the message that I sent him in eighth grade. And you guys all heard my story. And then the next one is me standing on a stage holding a Bible at the camp that I got to go to. You were a scholarship kid. A scholarship kid. And what is it, a decade later, you're preaching there. And all because somebody was faithful to their yes of saying, I don't even know who this money's going to, hmm. but I'm going to trust the fact that God's going to use it. Wow. I'm going to trust the fact that you God's going to use it. You might have to put that it. picture in the show notes. We <laughs> <laughs> might have to. But it's just the faithfulness of the saints. And I think that missionally, just keep saying yes and trust that God's going to do what he needs to do with it. And um, yeah, and, and go. Keep going. When you think you've gone far enough, go again and just see what God does with it. And just when, go. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, Tab family, man, thank you guys. John, thanks um, for jumping in on this episode. I know we planned it uh, days in advance. Yeah, right. <laughs> and by the way, this isn't the end on beat all missions. No, we not could, at all. We could do another whole thing on a variety of these topics that we Absolutely. just nailed just a little bit. We could bit. do episodes on long-term mission trips. We could do episode on short-term mission trips. We could do episode on the 1040 window. We could do an episode on getting back to Jerusalem. I mean, we, I mean, we could do episodes all day long, but I think that the goal of the Tabernacle Podcast isn't to give you every answer you've ever wanted, but it's to stoke you to go look for more. And so my challenge, Blake Bishop, um, for you as listeners is what's God calling you to missionally? You know, Blake's a whole lot of talk, but I haven't seen him in Michigan yet. <laughs> I know it because we canceled this. He's supposed to be here this week, but uh, there's going to be too many I don't people. know who this Blake character is, <laughs> but I challenge you as a 5, 10, 190-ish, 51-year-old grandfather, I don't. I, I want to see the whites of your eyes. Until then, you're just an Oklahoma Bag of wind. Hey, he's like Bigfoot. Oh, man. Uh, we heard of him, but no. Um, but to those people out there, spend some time asking God, where's my go? For some of you, maybe that means serving in your local church for the first time. For some of you, maybe that means serving in your local church since the first time since COVID. 
For some of you, maybe that means signing up for the short-term mission trip. For some of you that have done all those things, it's saying yes to the ministry he's calling you to next. I don't know what it is, nor do I want to tell you what it is, but I can tell you that God is faithful to answer when you ask with the goal to glorify him. Um, as you draw near to him, he will draw near to you. And so let that be your approach in missions. Draw near to God and let him be the one that tells you where to go. Amen. So, John, thanks, man. You can put both flip-flops on now. Yeah. Uh, it's time to go I'm get headed to the beach. To the beach and uh, eat some food. And until next time, Tab family, don't forget, subscribe. If you're already subscribed, unsubscribe, subscribe. And just so you know, I don't ask you to do things that I don't do. I did it today. I unsubscribed and subscribed on the podcast. Um, rate five stars. More importantly than any of that, if you see a post on Facebook, share it. Share it on the socials. Share it specifically. Yeah. Get the word out that God is doing something um, and that people need to hear about it. Um, we're not the one-stop shop, but we're one of the stops, so we might as well share yeah, it. You know, you know, we could be Christ ambassadors. All those Facebook warriors, you know who you are. <laughs> yeah. You're on the Buckley Chatter page. You're on the whatever Manistee Chatter page. You could be an ambassador there. Share the podcast. Yeah, Carhartt, you could be an ambassador. Where's Carhartt? By at? providing clothing for the Tabernacle podcast. I heard a rumor, by the way, that we almost, or we may have picked up a sponsor. Almost, but it was out of bitterness, I think. It was a bitterness <laughs> I one? Think, yeah. I think you made them so mad that they were willing to sponsor well, us. we all know the pie is spirit of cake. However, there's a rumor that Tracy Kalita of Trace Cakes. Trace Cakes. Trace Cakes. Um, might pick up a podcast sponsorship. I'm going to need some product first. I'm going to need to sample some product first. Trace Cakes might become a sponsor of the podcast just to stick it to me. <laughs> hey, but I'm in. I'm in. Britain's down. <laughs> yeah. But uh, until next time, Tab Family, this is John and Britain signing off. Yeah.